back to the podcast, Even Though I Walk. I am still your host, Steve Mills. I have a question before you before we get into today's podcast. What is the difference between a hippo and a zippo? Difference between a hippo and a zippo. Well, a hippo was really heavy. A zippo was a little lighter. Now, in the, these podcasts, we're going to deal with some heavy issues. We're going to walk with people that are going through a darkness or who have been. They've experienced the death of a loved one or they were a POW in Vietnam. Sometimes we're going to deal with issues that are just a little bit lighter, like today. I want to tell you a little bit about my story. And the question is, why the podcast? Why do this crazy thing that I've never done before? Before I started, I had zero knowledge about podcasting, and I have about zero, zero knowledge now when it comes to podcasting. Since retiring from the Navy a few months ago, I had to make a decision on what do I want to do. Well, it was either between podcasting or becoming a stripper. And I know what you're thinking, and I wanted to be a stripper, but with my hip and my back and my knee the way it is, I don't think all the bending and twisting would be quite conducive to that type of, of lifestyle. And in fact, stripping linoleum from floors and paint and varnish and all the chemicals and taking things off of walls, I just don't think would have been a good fit for me. So we're stuck with podcasting. Why? Why the podcast? Why called Even Though I Walk? And this is really what I'd wanted episode one to be, but episode one I thought turned out uh, very well and, and a great way to honor my sister Phyllis. The reason I'm doing this is I want to encourage you as you're walking through whatever darkness, as you're walking through whatever portion of night you're in. Maybe you're not walking. Maybe you're just sitting, waiting for someone to come hold you and, and grab you. As, as you're falling into that darkness, you don't feel anyone around you. And I want us, I want this community to do that. That's why we're doing this. In fact, uh, last week I drove down to Texas and visited a friend, really a brother, and I'm going to interview him on this podcast pretty soon, and we're going to set the record straight on a certain race where I think he sandbagged my bike and gave me a flat tire so he could beat me, even though he is 15, 20 years younger than me, a Marine and in great shape. Still, we're going to set that record straight, and Tony, if you're listening. But that time with him was very healing. It was a time when we had some laughs, we had some good memories, we even had some tears. We sat in his shop and we talked a while and he did some work for me and it was just very good. So who am I? Who is Steve Mills? Indeed, who is Steve Mills? I'm the youngest of five. I grew up on the central coast of California in a town called Grover City. It's now called Grover Beach. It's right next to Pismo Beach in San Luis Obispo. My parents are from southeastern Oklahoma, and they migrated to California in the 60s, and that's kind of where I came on the scene. At the age of five, I was diagnosed with something called Perthes disease. And what that is, is this is the femur, and this is the, the ball at the end. The, the, the ball sockets disintegrated in, in both hips, so I had to be in a wheelchair until about the age of 10. Now, before that disease, I was like any other little little boy. I was running around, had holes in the jeans. I had peanut butter and jelly on this side. My hair was all messed up, and I would plane the dirt, and I would throw dirt clods at car. I would gently roll dirt clods across the street so that cars coming by could run them over. 
don't know that I ever threw a dirt clod at passing cars. But one day, one afternoon, I'm outside playing and my dad comes home. And he walks over and goes, hey, what's that? And, and it was a snake. He picks up this snake. And then he proceeds to tie the snake onto a stick. Then he starts chasing me around the house. And we make it around two or three times. I run inside and lock the door. And so he says, open the door. And I say, drop the snake. He says, I said, open the door. Now, mind you, I'm five. I reply, I said, drop the snake. Then he says, I said, open the damn door. To which I reply, again, I'm five. <laughs> I said, drop the damn snake. He then begins to describe in some detail what he's going to do to me after he is inside the house. To which I reply, you're outside and I'm inside. The door's locked and mom's going to be home soon. He said, I'm dropping the snake. And I peeked through the front window to make sure that he did. And uh, I unlocked the door. We had an uneasy truce. He would no longer chase me with snakes, and I would not tell Mom what he did. About the age of 10, I was able to walk. I played soccer, basketball, uh, baseball, football, track. At 17, I enlisted in the Air Force and was assigned as a firefighter. I was stationed in Japan, Germany, and Texas. Along the way, I had a wife and, and two kids. In January of 95, we separated from the Air Force, and I started going to seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. After seminary, I pastored a church and was really just getting settled into the community. I had uh, decided that if this is where God wanted me to spend the rest of my ministry, the rest of my life, I would do it uh, greatly. I, I love those people dearly, and, and I, I think that they, they loved us as well. But I got a letter from the Navy. And it said, Dear Reverend Mills, don't throw this away. It might change your life. So I go to proceed to throw it away. <laughs> and no kidding, as soon as I held it over the trash can, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit stir. I read it again. So I did. Went home, talked to my wife. And she's like, are you nuts? Are you crazy? We can't do this. I said, I think we ought to just give it a shot and see. So we started the application process, and which is quite involved. I interviewed in D.C., and as after the interview, my recruiter came up and said, hey, they want to offer you a commission as a Navy chaplain. At that moment, I knew exactly what God had meant for me to do, become a Navy chaplain. My first assignment was with the destroyer squadron. I had six destroyers and one frigate that I moved out and about called the Holy Hilo, or sometimes you'd take a rib, a rigid hull, inflatable boat, a small boat. You see them in the movies that the, the SEALs use. Or they would drop me off in one port, and I would pick up the ship at the next, and I would just basically circuit ride. And one of the ships was USS Cole, and I picked her up after the bombing. She was in Pascagoula, that sleepy little town, if you know what I mean. And I spent a lot of time on, on that ship. And in fact, I think the first Easter after the bombing, uh, I, I led a, a sunrise service on the bow of the ship, and it was just packed. I, I think the entire crew was there. I also had the uh, distinct honor and privilege of taking the families of the uh, of the victims out, and as we buried the uh, cremains, the unidentified uh, cremains of uh, of the sailors who were killed, and very sobering, very honoring, and I am uh, deeply thankful that uh, God allowed me to, in some small way, hopefully minister to the family members and crew. 
one night we're out to sea with some other ships and I'm not on coal. I'm on, on another one. And it's about uh, 1030 at night. The seas are a little bit rough and it's a pitch black, dark night. There's no moon, cloud cover. You can't see anything. I get a knock on the stateroom door. I'm, I'm already in, in the rack. I'm already in bed, ready to, to get a good night's sleep with the ship rocking back and forth gently. Knock on the door and they say, hey, chaplain, uh, someone on USS Cold needs you. Uh, they've, they've got a situation over there. Problem is, it's too late and the seas are too rough to put you on a helo. We have to put you on a, on a rib on that rigid hull inflatable boat. So I pack all my stuff and I've, I know the, the deal before. I, I pack it all in watertight uh, bags, trash bags or Ziplocs. And as I get ready to climb over the edge of this ship onto this little boat, they said, now listen, when we tell you to let go, do it immediately. So I toss my bag down. I climb over the side. I'm climbing down this ladder, and the ladder is coming up and slamming against the ship. And I'm getting banged and battered and bruised, and the sea is coming just spraying all over me. Now I'm getting soaked, and I'm holding on in the darkness, and I'm scared terrified really and all I want to do is just hold on and then all of a sudden I hear let go and I let go and as I fell back hands grabbed me and pulled me into that that boat and I was safe we got over to the next or to USS Cole and I was able to talk with the sailor and get that person some help life is like that isn't it we're in our bed and it's comfy and cozy and life is moving along. And then all of a sudden there's that phone call. There's the text. There's a knock on the door and you're holding on for dear life. You don't know what to do. Sometimes you just have to let go and let others catch you. You have to confront that which scares you the most. It is terrifying. It is not something that's fun to do. But that fear that creeps up, that fear that comes in, that stalks you, that slithers, you have to confront. A number of years uh, later, when I was stationed in Texas with the Air Force, I did 24-hour shifts at the fire station. And so as to not to disturb my family, I would keep all my gear in the front room as they were sleeping in the, in the back bedrooms. One morning, I get up and I go to the bathroom and I open the door and I see something move in the corner and I'm like, Oh great. It's a cockroach. And you know, cockroaches in Texas are the size of a small dog. Turn the light on and it's not a cockroach. It's a snake. There's a snake in the bathroom. So I turn off the light, shut the door and I think, what am I going to do? I've, I've got to take care of the snake, but I am terrified of snakes. I would rather face a pack of rabid dogs than deal with snakes. But I'm like, I can't let my family down. I've got to do this. Now, I apologize for the picture of, which, of that which I'm about to give you. I was only in my tidy whities Now, today I'm much more of a man than I was back then, so today would be even worse, but that's all I had on, folks. And I thought, well, I need some protection. If I'm going to go into battle, if I'm going to fight this serpent, I need protection. So I just throw some tennis shoes on. And I grab my combat boot. 
Because if you're going to do combat, you don't want to just get a boot. You want to get a combat boot. So I get the boot, tennis shoes, tidy whities in my hand, steady as a rock, getting ready to go in. And I fling the door open. And as soon as I do, the serpent rises to its full height, looks me in the eyes, its eyes glowing red, venom dripping from its fangs, starts to sing trust in me, which I'm not sure why that did that. But anyways, we got to get back to the bare necessities of the story here. So the snake strikes right. I dodge left. I strike right. It dodges left. We move back and forth. It was an epic battle between man and beast. And somewhere in that melee with me screaming like a little girl at a Justin Bieber concert, the combat boot connects with the snake and the serpent is slain. Now imagine being awoken from a deep sleep, walking into the bathroom, seeing your husband in tennis shoes, tidy whities and a combat boot screaming. Something is amiss. My wife was like, what is going on here? What in the world? And I said, I have slain the serpent. You and the halflings are safe. To tell you I hate snakes is an understatement. To tell you I don't like them is uh, something I really don't care for, from being chased as a five-year-old with a snake on a stick to having one in the bathroom. But I confronted it. I looked at my fear. I looked at my fear, and I, I went in anyways. Knowing that I confronted that fear gives me confidence in that I can confront other fears, that when I'm faced with darkness, when I'm faced with difficult things, and over the course of the episodes, I'm going to share some of my periods of darkness. One in particular was when I was in Afghanistan and I had to let go. I had to let go in that darkness and let others catch me and hold me. I want to encourage you as you're walking through life, as something happens, because it does, let go. Let others hold you. Let others catch you. Let others care for you. When I was down at my friends in Texas, they did just that for me. Be kind, be gracious. You never know what someone is fearful of. And as always, keep walking. Please be sure to hit like and subscribe. Hit the bell for new episodes. Leave comments uh, below if you would like one of these uh, sweet, even though I walk coffee mugs, let me know. I'm working on a deal to, uh, to get them uh, out to people. So with that, have a great day.